Hello and welcome to the Ratio Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Ray, and we are coming to you from a beautiful, sunshiny day here in Athens, Georgia. Nice uh, fall October day here getting ready for Halloween. I hope everybody's doing well out there. We've got a great show for you tonight. We've got very special guest, Mr. Drew Beskin of Drew Beskin and the Sunshine. Drew's going to be on talking about his excellent new album, Somewhere Sideways, Same as You. I would recommend everybody go out and, and get a hold of that on Bandcamp or wherever you get your music. And uh, Drew's super cool, and, and we've got a chat coming up with him in just a few. Uh, we'll also be talking about his performance uh, that's going to be this the end of this month, um, October 28th at Cine. So make sure to come out and see Mr. Beskin and the Sunshine. Uh, you'll be glad you did. But I want to thank everybody for all the killer feedback from uh, the King Diamond episode. Um, it was a it was a dream come true to be able to talk to the King about Merciful Fate. And uh, we'll have him back on when he gets going on the King Diamond, uh, more into the King Diamond vein on his solo stuff. And just, just such a pleasure to chat with that guy. I also want to tell everyone that we will have the next live date, the November live date, coming up this week. We'll be announced that date and how to attend, where to get your tickets. So as always, ratiopodcast.com. And as far as the tickets, that would be uh, AthensCine.com. So uh, make sure you check those uh, two, two sites out, and uh, that will get you uh, to the live show and all the madness that, that entails at that so um yeah coming up now on the show though we have mr drew all righty we've got drew beskin of drew beskin and the sunshine on the ratio podcast today he's got an awesome new record called somewhere sideways same as you uh hello drew how are you doing today i'm doing great beautiful day in athens and um pleasure to be talking thank you for having me on the show oh man it's our pleasure having you on and it is a beautiful day in athens i can i can attest to that as well but uh let's let's get into this record i am straight up floored by the melodies on this uh somewhere sideways same as you i mean tell me how this record hot off the heels of problematic for the people came together well so yeah, I would hate to call it a pandemic record, but it definitely would not have happened if if there wasn't um, a long period of like lockdown going in. So I I wrote the songs for Problematic for the People and recorded that record. I guess um, we were supposed to record it. I mean, probably in like spring of 2020, and then we um, you know we didn't really get in the studio till around June of 2020. Once we figure out how to kind of do it the way that um, the studio and everyone wants and. Um, you know the, the safe way and then we uh we made the record and then it was all tracked and we we're just kind of in mixing phases and it was probably around november or around october november of 2020 where you know i was just kind of in the mode of like post album just like starting to think about artwork and videos and like mixing and mastering for problematic for the people so I, and at that time i really had this like set mindset that problematic for the people would be my last like official like full record and just be- just because it was going to be my third solo record and it felt like a nice number to end on you know, i was about to get married and get a little older and just thought yeah i just thought you know this would be the last record 
And, you know, if I was doing anything past that, maybe just be a, a single or something or just a few songs every once in a while. But um, I definitely thought this was going to be my last, like, full effort release, you know, do it up with the artwork and vinyl and, and videos and everything. And I had written Promat for the people with the intention, with, with that intention, like trying, like, with each song to say, like, I kind of want to, I want to purposely have a record that's kind of that touches on everything that I like to do, whether it's like a rock thing or a ballad thing or a folky thing or something with strings or something that sounds a little more, maybe a little too, maybe too more, too musical than most people might like. Um, necessarily the indie rock way to go. But um, uh, so I had, you know, every intention, this being my last record, and I was happy with problematic with people and especially with where I was going. So, Around that time, I, I just, my friend Tommy Troutwine and Elijah Johnston, and I, I used to work at the Georgia Theater, and Elijah worked there as well, and I met Tommy through, like, his bands and him as an engineer, and we all just kind of got, we were just, we, we became fast friends and kind of helped each other with each other's music and in terms of just, like, listening and giving notes and, like, very, you know, I'm a big fan of Elijah's songwriting and big fan of Tommy's songwriting and everything those guys do. And I think around November of 2020, where I still had, you know, I still had problematic with people on the brain. Like there was a lot of work still left to do to complete that record. But I just kind of wrote one, just one song. And I just texted Tommy and Elijah's like, should, can, should we just like pick a day and just like, let's just go to Tommy Steele. Let's just like do this song I just wrote and let's just do it. And no, no pressure or anything. And they're like, great. I sent them the song like the day before. And I said, you know, let's, Let's go for this type of feel. I think I, I think I was trying to go for a little um, Temptations Motown um, feel, like but like a ballad. And we went in, and Elijah and Tommy were like, well, Elijah's brother's coming, Gideon, Gideon who play who played drums for who plays drums for Elijah and at the time is 17 years old. And um, for reference, I, I, I'm 35 now, so I'm of a good twice his age. Not that that matters in right. music, but but um, Gideon comes in and. And he just, he's, he's, he's amazing. And Elijah's amazing. And Tommy's amazing. We knocked out this one song and it, it was it's a song called Not If But When, which is the first track on the new record, uh, on the record that we ended up doing. But we just did this one song. This is a one-off thing. We spent the entire day doing it, which is, which is for the, for me, that was the first time I've been making records for a long time. I've always like going to the studio, always like kind of wrote the songs in advance and planned out studio time. So when we got in there, it's like, okay, these first two days, let's take care of drums and take care of bass. And then the last few days we can take care of all the other stuff. And it's very, it's, it's very uh, purposeful and like more like a checklist thing, which is great for being efficient. And I realized after doing this, not, but one, not if it wins song in one day, realizing how much fun I was missing by just going in and like giving the song, giving one song the time to like breathe and like express itself in the recording studio. And we left doing that and like went home and listened to the mix. And it was like, wow, what a great day. And, and it, it was just such a great experience. And then I happened to write another song quickly after that. And I just kind of texted the guys like, Hey, you want to do it again? And we went in there and we recorded a song called spoilers and it turned out to be like way more rocking than I had written it, which was, which which was awesome. Um, I love happy surprises in the studio. And again, we spent the entire day on spoilers, 
and we left just kind of loving it. And then I think a few weeks later, I wrote a song called All Along Your Way, and we did the same thing again. And after that third day, we're like, okay, well, this is a pretty fun way to make a record, so we're making a record now. And after that third song, I think by the fourth or fifth song, we realized, okay, we're kind of telling a story, and this is, should be the way the, the track list is on the record, too. So that's kind of that's kind of how the idea and the project came along. I think like halfway through the sessions by like song four or five, Tommy said something about something like being outside and sunshine or something. And that we just kind of stuck with that. And, but it was just, it, we just took it one song at a time and it was an accident. We didn't, didn't really plan on making a record, but you know, the record, if you put it on right now and went from track one to 11, that's first day is the first song. 11th song is the 11th day last song we did for the record so you can definitely kind of hear the progression of us getting comfortable with each other and trying like experimenting and doing some weird stuff um as the as the record kind of progresses and it's kind of told i mean the way the especially the melodies maybe more so the lyrics but the lyrics too um kind of re repeat throughout um the album but it's definitely like it definitely plays out like a like a story Right. Well, I, I love all of that, how it's how now it makes so much more sense that that's a chronological journey. I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, where did you record this? Because uh, apology for the spot on reference, but it, it's as grand as a Beatles album. I mean, it really is. Well, yeah, we were talking about Beatles the whole time. And, you know, that's the thing about the Beatles, of course, like, you know, Gideon at the time was 17. I was probably at the time like 33. And and uh, Elijah and Tommy are somewhere in the middle in like their early 20s. Um, but, you know, we all speak the language of the Beatles and we're all music nerds and we all like to reference stuff. And, of course, you know, there's stuff that, that, I, that I listen to that they might not listen to and vice versa. And, and when we're making records, some of, I, I don't know if everyone loves doing this, but when I'm in the studio and, and we're like going somewhere and I hear something like I love to make a reference to like another song. I, I of course, always want it to end up being its own thing. But if something reminds me of something, then you know, I love to harp on that. But yeah, we were definitely talked a lot about the Beatles, um, and you know, a lot of. I'm trying to think what else we were really talking about. I actually, have actually I have a playlist in front of me where because we would make these references, especially like we I would write a song, and for real, like we would the night before text in the song and say and just an acoustic demo. And then we just kind of text about it and then show up. And, and it might have been written as an acoustic song or a piano song, but then we get there, we realize it needs to be more of a rock song. And so we definitely, um, we were just t- we know talking nonstop about other records, but we made it at Tommy's house. Um, uh-huh. And that, that's where his home studio is. And that's where, um, you know, we, and Tommy just, Tommy, Tommy work, can work in any studio. He's worked in uh, and basically every studio in town, and he's just kind of the maestro. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of these reference notes I had um, when we were making the record. A lot of Big Thief, like Tommy got me into Big Thief at that time. I, I, I didn't really know that much about Big Thief, but now I'm a huge fan. Um, a lot of Kinks. We actually recorded a, um, a Kinks cover that I think we're going to release in November or December after... Um, after we get bored with um, promoting this record and then you know things like a lot of robert palmer talking a lot about robert palmer and like oh, wow. his you know 
Johnny and Mary, that Robert Palmer song, I probably listened to that more than any other song during the pandemic or, or lockdown or something. Just it, that was just the song that I was just like, I'm going to walk. I need to hear this song. And um, so, and, and that kind of played out more so, like, especially on the last track of the record called Sun Cancer. It was very like Johnny and Mary mixed with like some Cure vibes. But we would talk a lot about, I'm a big uh, Marshall Crenshaw fan and Nick Lowe and Elvis Costello. So we talk a lot about that. And I always, always love the lush sounds of the Beatles and, and, um, and Elliot Smith and always trying to get, get into that space whenever I can. And we really, you know, there's, there's a lot more acoustic on this record than maybe any other record. And we just kind of had a lot of fun with that. Even, you know, there's, I think probably one of the hardest rock songs or fastest rock songs on the record. This song called mystery of being a boy, which has, these crazy drums and bass and vocal sounds going on, but their guitars are all acoustic the whole time. And, and you, and it's something you don't really notice until like someone points it out because the acoustics are played hard and fast and it's just recorded so crisply, but it's kind of like how, you know, the kinks or the Beatles would do it. Right. Right. Well, I, I, there's, there's something you were doing, you know, the lushness of, of some of the things you're, the choices, you, your influence are just fascinating to me. I mean, they make so much sense. And one thing I want to discuss, you know, you said you had full songs going in, but I love the moments. Like like mm-hmm. you were just mentioning in, in, in Towards the End of the Mystery of Being a Boy is an example. But the example I want to talk about is like in Lisa Simpson's Fangs, where you just mm-hmm. have that repeating of the going under lyric. Just it's mm-hmm. such an effective vocal. And and I guess the question I have here is: it do those flourishes come in the studio, or do you have those already planned out? Something like that that just seems like such a great moment, for lack of a better word, in the song. I will say, as a singer, which I've never really called myself a singer, I've I've never really felt that comfortable in the studio singing until, and that's no one else's fault but my own. But Tommy like was just able to really like crack the code on getting me in my comfort zone and you know and tommy you know he knew my records before he knows like he knew where my strengths strengths and weaknesses are and then of course like there there was a lot you know we would we were basically a lot of times we would do most of the record i mean we would do most of the song and once the song was done you know i would do a quick scratch and like double the scratch and then go back to it and the scratch was usually just you know there are songs like like Lisa Simpson things where you know the song was written on acoustic and then we go and we track the song. It's it's more of a rock song than um, it was originally planned, um, which was great because you know it changes and and happy accidents are part of the magic of being in the studio. And then once we kind of had the whole structure track, I just go and kind of do a quick. Um, I just kind of sing it twice just to have a reference point for the vocal. And usually that first instinct kind of at least how I sung it, that was kind of the theme of the whole record because the songs were written either a day before or a few days before, or sometimes like as we were getting, as we were like after song four or song five, started to shape up what this album might be, I would have like little riffs or a chorus or a song title where, where I'm like, okay, I have this list of the songs I want to do, but they're not finished yet. And I would even play games with the band and just like kind of text them saying, Hey, do y'all want me to finish a song called Furrowed Brow today or a song called Mystery of Being a Boy? And then, then they pick Furrowed Brow. I was like, okay, so I will go finish this song today, whatever 20, 
25% of that song was done. I just finished it in that moment and texted it to them. So it was kind of the opposite of problematic for the people where the songs were written and then I went and demoed the songs by myself and then brought it to the band. Whereas the songs were just written, everyone is, you know, Tommy, Elijah, and Gideon are hungry um, for the songs and they have their immediate reaction to it. And I'm, I'm very open to it because all three of them are so passionate and I trust their opinion, but also I don't have the... I don't have months of having the songs being finished in my head. You know, I, right. I wasn't married. I wasn't married to anything. Well, that's good. That sounds like a real democratic process. And that, that really mm-hmm. captures the live feel that the songs have. Um, is this your child's first recording? She's in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think so. Um, I'm trying I mean, she's definitely been on, on a few demos because, you know, a, a lot of a lot of her going to sleep at night. You know, I just have to get the acoustic guitar and play it for her. And sometimes songs might might pop up. But she's but th- but those are all new new songs that we might be doing um, some other time. But she's uh, she's learning how to talk. So as soon as I can get her singing, um, we'll get her on a, on a oh, track. Oh, right on. Well, how has how's fatherhood changed? Does it change your approach to your artistry in any way? Um, it just well, fatherhood's the greatest thing. I can't even describe it. I just can't think of what life was like before. And that, and, and again, that was only seven months ago. She's, she's seven months as of like last week, but you know, as far as writing and making music and a sort of, you know, when I play now with a band or by myself or go recording or anything, there's no, there's never any sort of moments like, oh, I'm here, I need to do this, or like, I can't believe I'm playing the show today. It's like, oh, you know, you, you, I might not be able to play that much anymore. You know, as as she gets older and I get more wrapped in the fatherhood, which is a great thing. I'm not, you know, it's not anything to complain about. It, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, when we go and play on stage, I'm not nervous ever anymore. Right. I'm just having fun, and I'm just, and, I, and I'm, I'm living it, and it's not necessarily because of. It just, I think it all just comes with getting older in general. Like you're not wor- so worried anymore and you know, you're not, you're not making music or going to play a show to be cool. You're doing it because it's what, it's what fulfills you. Oh yeah. So it, it just kind of taught me to kind of be more present and in the moment and, and, and just kind of appreciate this, you know, this one life we're given. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you recently played your first show uh, with this lineup as a band. How was that experience? It was great. We um, we played September Days. We played. Well, um, I helped curate the festival, so I put uh, so I sheepishly put my band in the lineup. <laughs> but I ma- I made sure that we were um, like the first band playing. So we, we took we took the set times that I don't think any other band would want to take so um i didn't feel too guilty about that and but we had we had, we had a decent crowd and we we played great and we played last week in atlanta at 529 and that was an awesome show as well and i was like inside with the loud rocking and what i love about this record and this band and in bands in general what i look for in a band or some of my favorite bands is that the record is like lush and there's so much going on or a record could be lush and have so much going on. But then when you see them live, it's just like two electric guitars, bass and drums and you're just rocking it out. Oh yeah. And I love, I love both sides of that. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you say this is a pandemic record, but these songs are so joyous and I can see 
see people getting that in these songs and just having a great night out. Um, you've oh, got yeah. a, you've got a show planned for October twenty eighth at Cine here in Athens. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your plans after that for live shows? Are you gonna do for the rest of the year and, and promoting this record? So we're we're doing the we're doing the October twenty eighth show at Cine, and then we're gonna do we were playing at American Spirit Whiskey in Atlanta with this band called Quiet Hound on November fourth, um, and then we have a show in in atlanta on january 14th where the sunshine band will be playing and then my i have a oasis cover band called oasis and we'll be and we'll be playing we'll be doing that smithsville bar and we're actually doing the oasis tribute thing next uh saturday at the 40 watt after the auburn georgia game oh Um, cool man so yeah and i i think i I don't know. Well, I know why I did it, but uh, it was about like eight or 10 years ago. We were booking shows for one of my, a, a new old band, an old new band of mine. And sorry, the daughter, I think she just started learning how to talk this very minute. And she's just going, dad, 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 dad. dad. <laughs> I love it. Which is fine, which is fine. Um, and, but um, I think it might've been eight or 10, it was probably 2014. So yes, yeah, so like eight years ago. I had a band, it was my second band, it was called Party Dolls, and we were going to release a record, and I wanted to make sure that people came, so I, I had an idea to do like a album-specific like tribute to What's Story, Morning Glory, and just and advertise that to kind of like, you know, people tend to like music that they're familiar with. Right. I, I'm more, I, I love original music, I love songwriters and stuff, I definitely understand the masses like a little familiarity, and so we did like, we did the Oasis thing as the headline, and then we had that party doll stuff as the middle, as the opening band. And so, because of that, you know, we sold out Smithville Bar and had a capacity crowd seeing original music. And I love, you know, whatever gets people to listen to the new songs is fine by me. And then I do love playing the Oasis stuff. And then um, the Sunshine Band and I, when we play uh, at Cine, we're, we're going to, since it's Halloween weekend, um, we're going to do our album and then we're going to, do a hour-long Beatles um, tribute set. Yes, yes, that is going to be so awesome. And you, you, we were talking before. You've got some. Uh, you're going to do some hits, but then you got some deep cuts. You're going to play too, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, absolutely. I'd be, I'd be, I'm happy to spoil. Uh, I'll spoil some. Yes, um, you just tell me. I think we're going to do like my wife, who um, has put up with me doing all this music stuff, especially with their baby. You know, she allows the. Uh, she allows the Beatles practice. She's a big Beatles fan. She like she allows all the practice because we're you know we want to do it right. It's the Beatles. I mean, we don't want to just just go in there and not be prepared. And it's been so much fun learning these songs. But but we're like my wife demands that we do happy happiness is a warm gun. So we'll yes, doing, yes, yeah. nice. You're jumping on the white album there. I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah, my We'll gosh. be doing a few few white album tracks, a few Abbey Road tracks, a few. Um, let it be tracks. The let it be stuff is really fun to play. Like we're, we'll, we'll be doing, you know, dig a pony and, oh, and, yes. uh, but, but we're doing the old stuff too. We're definitely doing, she loves you. That's, that's one, that's one, my, that's a song that I never would have ever thought I'd want to play or, or care too deeply about. I mean, she loves you is a, is a great song, but I, but over the last few months I've grown a much deeper appreciation for, for loving that song. And that's become like one of my favorites to play. Right on. But it's a great doing, one. 
yeah. Well, yeah, I hope to see the Oasis cover band. I love Oasis. I think people that don't are just too cool for school. So, yeah, uh, I, think, I think they're either too cool for school or they don't dig deep enough. And that's like a lot of my favorite, one of my favorite records of all time. And Oasis is one of my favorite bands. Um, one of my favorite records is this um, co- compilation called The Master Plan. Oh, yeah. Which is just which is just all these B-sides. And that's why I love Oasis, because you know, I love Noel Gallagher's voice. I love Noel Gallagher's harmonies. And that's where I that's that's kind of where my passion for I guess, harmonies come from. And I love. Yeah, some tracks sound like a Burt Backrack song, but then some songs would sound like this, like just sludgy rock, rock stuff. And I love the variety. Yeah, they weren't afraid to to explore that lush sound that you were talking about that yeah. we both uh, admire so much in so many bands. Well, hey, Drew, this was awesome talking to you. What are what's the best place um, to get in touch with you for our listeners and uh, get in, get in touch with the music? Well, I guess, you know, you got the Spotify, all the digital platforms. I'm on I'm on Instagram a lot, and which is just my name, uh, Drew Beskin. And we have a website, um, just drewbeskin.com. And you always go to Bandcamp. We have some T-shirts, and we're, we're waiting on our vinyls to come in. That should be in a, a, any any week now. Um, so we, we put we put in the order for vinyl in November of last year. So the record's been done for a minute. So we should have the records delivered. In a few weeks, and we're, we're going we're gonna to take them to the local stores and be shipping some out. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're all over the Internet. Right on, right on. Well, I can't wait to hear this on vinyl because it's a real vinyl record. It's it's a really urgent record, and it's just such a good rock and roll album. So I, I can't wait for people to hear this. But, thank you so much. I'm... Go ahead. I'm sorry. But, I was just saying thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Well, thanks so much for being on, man. And we'll see you at Cine on October 28th. And we hope to see all yes. of you out at Cine, all you listeners, on October 28th. Be there. I want to thank Drew Beskin of Drew Beskin and the Sunshine for coming on and talking about their new record, Somewhere Sideways, Same as You. Make sure you pick it up today. And that's about our show. That's our show for tonight, folks. Make sure to uh, keep your eyes peeled on the socials and on our website, ratiopodcast.com, for upcoming events and guests. And we got a really cool Halloween episode coming for you next week. So stay switched on, and we'll talk to you soon.